Welcome to Skyline SIB's podcast. We're so grateful that you're taking time to tune in and we hope that this message encourages and inspires you in whatever season you're going through. There are lots of things uh, geopolitically that's happening in the world uh, right now. But I want to take you back uh, to the 1960s when uh, uh, a legendary pop a singer, uh, an American uh, song and songwriter by the name of Bob Dylan, uh, wrote these iconic words for what actually became a song that, that actually captured the hearts of his generation um, regards to war. And some of you may know the words of this, this song. It goes like this. How many roads must a man walk down before you call him a man? How many seas must a white dove sail before she sleeps in the sand? How many times must a cannonball fly before it's forever banned? The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind. Then it continues. Yes, how many times must a man look up before he can see the sky? How many ears must one man have before he can hear people cry? Yes, how many deaths will it take till he knows that too many people have died? The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind. What does blowing in the wind mean? It actually means that everything is uncertain. We never learn from the past. And whatever will happen in the future remains uncertain because all things are possible. And this week, we have been grabbed by the shock news that the nation of Ukraine has been invaded by Russian forces. Now, I don't mean shock in the sense that we were not expecting it. You know, we've been talking about it for weeks, probably months. I mean shock in the sense that suddenly everything happens to be centered now back on Europe again. You must remember the first two world wars started in Europe. It's as though Europe hasn't learned. You know, and we look at it and we suddenly see the Iron Curtain, which had been lifted up in the 1990s, now suddenly descending again, a kind of a second Iron Curtain. We see a nation with a a, a tyrannical dictator actually marching into a sovereign nation uh, and annexing it, having annexed Crimea earlier on. Now it invades a whole nation. And it does so while the whole world is just watching helplessly by the sidelines, making all kinds of patronizing statements, but not doing very much about it. It reminds me of a time just before the Second World War when, when Hitler annexed Czechoslovakia and nobody did anything, everybody watched. And then he annexed um, Austria and nobody watched, and everybody watched and nobody did anything. And then eventually the, the penny dropped that this man was not going to stop. And eventually, when he annexed Poland, Second World War started. We are back in the center of Europe again. And don't think these things uh, don't have any concern for us. Because you must remember when the Second World War broke out in Europe in 1939. Two years later, it came to Asia. Because wars that break out in Europe leaves a power vacuum in this part of the world. So we must continue to pray and we must continue to look to God during this time somebody say amen. 
But in the midst of all that's happening, and God knew all this was going to happen, the pandemic, the invasion of Ukraine, the geopolitical tensions right across the world, God has given us a vision, a theme this year. And this year, God has called us in the midst of everything else to be spunky in building. Build hope, build lives, build future. Can somebody say amen to that? And you know, when we talk about these three things, build hope, build lives, and build future. Build hope, I spoke about. It means inviting people to the gospel. The gospel is still the source of hope for all mankind. Build lives means we love and disciple people. Even as they come into the kingdom of God, we need to build these lives up so that they will last so that these lives will actually last. Not naturally in a physical sense, but spiritually they will last. And build the future in as much as we sow into the next generation, because the next generation carries the future. Somebody say amen to that. And this morning, I want to speak on building lives. But at the beginning of this year, as we began the theme, I spoke on building hope. And I said building hope means inviting people into, to, to consider the gospel, inviting people to experience Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, inviting them maybe to come to Skyline on site or online, inviting them to come and experience God in some of the events that we hold so that they will hear, get a chance to hear the gospel, inviting them because it is a gospel that brings hope. Can somebody say amen? It is a gospel that will deal with our past. And uh, it's the gospel that will transform our present and the gospel that will give us the future of hope. Somebody say amen. And today, I want to speak on building lives. Somebody say building lives. As we build these lives now, as, as they come to know Jesus and Jesus is the very foundation, what must we do to build these lives? The lives that God has given to us. And incredibly, in these last two years of the pandemic, the number of lives God has brought into the ambit of Skyline, both on-site and online, has incredibly increased. We have actually gone to about two to two and a half times the number of people we had pre-pandemic who are now following us week after week, online or on-site. It is an awesome responsibility, and I want to speak to each and every one of you who's out there watching us online from wherever you are. You're part of this great family, and God wants to build your life. Somebody say amen. He wants to build your life today, and you're part of this family. So what must we do to build lives? What is God calling us to do this year in building lives? The life that we want to build is a life that is taken from Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to seven. You see, in many people's minds, the kind of life they want to build, when you ask people, what kind of life do they want to build? People will say, you know, I want to build a financially independent life. I want to build a, a kind of a laid back, comfortable life. I want to build, some people say, I want to build a, a life of fame. Other people will say, you know, I want to build a life of good health and ease. Other people say, I don't know what it means, but I want to build a healthy life. But I will tell you what God wants us to build, what kind of life He wants us to build. It is to build a rooted life, a life that is rooted in Christ. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 7 says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. This 
These two verses encapsulate for us the kind of lives God is calling us to build here in the family, here in Skyline, here in the kingdom of God, that every life here counts. Somebody say amen. If you're watching this, I just want you to type something in the chat and just say amen. Just agree because you want to build the rooted life. This is what God wants you to build, a life rooted in Christ. There are three things here that as we build this life, the rooted life, firstly, we must build our walk in Him. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Somebody say, walk in Him. Say it loud, walk in Him. So the Bible tells us, walk in Him. You know, I don't know about you, but one of the most exciting times in my life was when I saw my kids walk. I had three kids, I have three kids, and when I saw each one of them walk, they all walk at different stages, you know, different life, times in their lives uh, as they grew. And uh, they all walk with a different gait. You know, one of them started walking by just running, running, tottering along, and then falling, running and tottering along. Another one just ambled along, you know, you know, as like, you know, a cowboy in a saloon, you know. Another one just very gingerly would hold on to something and then hold on to another thing. I'm very cautious. But everyone has their own styles. But you know, after walking, those of you who, who, are, who are parents will know, after walking comes what? Running. And you know, sometimes you wish when you're exhausted from chasing them all over, you just wish for a while. Maybe it's not, not that good an idea for them to walk and run, you know. But I will tell you, every parent is happy when a child walks. Somebody say, Amen. Why? Because walk is a sign of progression, is a sign of growth. It's a sign of strength coming. So the first thing uh, the, the Bible tells us is that when we build lives, we build lives that must have one thing. We walk in Him. We walk in Him. Not walk with Him, but walk in Him. Now that's a very strange language for the Bible to use, but it's actually there in the Greek. What does this mean? Other translations like the NIV tells us it means live your lives in Him. It's translated as live your lives in Him, which is not a great kind of a, a pictorial language, but, you know, but, it, but the, um, the Good News uh, translation tells us to live in union with Him. So we get some idea of what it means. But here's what I, I want to just tease out, what it means when we want to build our lives. This is the life of a believer. He has come to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And now, the Bible tells each one of us who believes, who, who have put our trust in Jesus, the foundation on which we must build are threefold. Number one, walk in Him. What does it mean to walk in Him? Walking in Him means this. It's something different from walking with Him. You see, when we say we are walking with Him, it means that we mentally sense His presence, sort of, wherever we go. Are you walking with Jesus? Yes, Jesus is with me. Oh, when I go here, Jesus is with me. Yeah, I sense His presence. You are walking with Jesus. You're bringing Him along wherever you go. You're walking with Him. See, you sense His presence, sometimes weak, sometimes strong. But that's not what the verse says. The verse says we must walk in Him. Walking in Him means His presence soaks through us. Walking with Him means that we mentally sense His presence. We mentally feel His presence wherever we go. But walking in Him, in Him means His presence soaks through us. It just comes right through our being. It fills every bit of our thinking, 
our, our, our sensing, it fills every bit of our values, the way we look at things, the direction in which we chart, the priorities in our lives, the reason why we live, it just soaks. He just soaks through us. That is what walking in Him means. His values, His likes, His dislikes, the things that, that pleases the Lord just soaks through our life. You know, Nancy and I, we've been married nearly 40 years now. Okay, what, and this has been incredible. Uh, we, we, we have known each other so well that in one sense, you know, her presence kind of soaks through me in one sense. You know, I'm always aware of her laughter, her smile, you know, her idiosyncrasies, or the statements. I can't, sometimes I, I tell her, I can almost predict what you're going to say. And I'm, always, I'm, I'm often right. We sit in a restaurant, I said, look at the whole menu, I said, I know what you're going to order. You know, I just tell her, she says, okay, what am I going to order? I said, this one or this one? She says, you're right. So, so we know each other so well. Her presence soaks through me. But when I go away, when I travel, say overseas, I do not walk with Nancy anymore. She's not physically with me, but she's in me. How do I know she's in me? Because sometimes when I'm, when, when I'm overseas, I'm walking through a mall, and you know, I, I come past a shop window, I see a dress, I say, hmm, Nancy might like that dress. You see, she's in me. I mean, I have no business standing in front of a shop window with women's clothes and just thinking, Nancy might like that dress. Why? She's in me. Sometimes when I mix with certain company, when I'm away from her, I think to myself, would she be pleased with the company I'm mixing with? Am I making good use of my time? Or when I spend money on some things, I sometimes think, I say, well, I'm quite pleased with my purchase. I'm thinking, oh, maybe you know, she has something to say about this purchase. Maybe she's not pleased with it. You know? And sometimes when I pass a chocolate shop, I see Lindt chocolates and Godiva chocolates. And I think, I think immediately of her. Because her presence is in me. I don't care very much for these chocolates too much, but I know she does. So I think, shall I buy Godiva? Shall I buy Lindt? Or maybe please la, please la, and just buy both. And then it will make her really, really happy. Her presence is in me. Can somebody say amen? You understand what I mean? So her presence, God's presence in, in you means that you are aware of his likes, his dislikes, his pleasures, his priorities, his purpose. You are just aware of that. You know. So that's why the scripture says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so Walk in Him. It means you don't bring Jesus, it, it, you go one step deeper. You're not just bringing Jesus to wherever you go. Some, some people say, you know, I'm going to this uh, dark place, so I bring Jesus with me as a crutch. Sometimes I bring Jesus with me and as I travel, so it's a good luck charm. So nothing will happen on the flight. Sometimes I bring Jesus with me as I go up for my interview, kind of a security blanket. Nothing wrong with that. But you can see it's very childish. It's very junior. It's a very, very shallow level. The Bible tells us that if you believe in Him and you are committed to Him, walk in Him. That is what we want to build the lives in Skyline. So every one of us, we walk in Him. Somebody say amen. We walk in Him. How do we know? How do I know? Just give me a, going back to the illustration with Nancy again. 
how do I know, get a feel of what she likes, what she doesn't like? Sometimes I can feel the, the signals, you know, uh, from her, even though she's not with me. I just sense that this, is, she, this would please her, but this would not. I just sense that. It's because we spend time together. And especially now with the children, you know, having left home, we have lots of time with each other. We talk a lot, we laugh a lot, you know. We sometimes have animated discussion about, but she knows me through and through and I know her through and through. We have a lot of time together. It's the same. It's the same with having Him in you and walking in Him. You need to spend time with Him. What kind of time? Time where you just carve out for Him with solitude. How, how, did, how does that happen in the world that we live in? I'll give you one key. One key that will change your life. That will enable you to carve it out. But you must be prepared to do that and carve out that time. And this key is very simple. You know, just stop your digital devices. Just stop it for that period. Just stop it for that hour. Just stop your digital devices. Just get rid of it. Stop watching Netflix. Stop going on social media. Stop getting on the phone. Stop working on your laptop. Just, just stop it. And it will be open a door for you. Suddenly, you have nothing to do. You have nothing to do. And now you have a choice. Do you choose God? Do you choose His Word? Do you want to go into a time of meditation on His Word to pray and speak to Him and allow Him to speak to you and just speak into a love relationship with Him and worship Him and then study the Word of God and allow the Word of God to get into you so that as He gets into you, His presence fills you, His pleasure fills you and you begin to live in Him and begin to walk in Him. That's the key. That's the key. The key is actually to dispense with our digital device for that set time. Just dispense with it. Power it off. Put it aside. Lay it aside. And that would be the key, you know, to us. You know, I don't know about you, but, you know, there's one story of a toll of a man who was uh, just always locked into his digital device, always working on his computer, you know, and ignoring his wife. His wife got so sick and tired of him because every time the wife tried to talk to him, he would like, you know, would go, uh -huh, okay. You know, have you eaten yet? Uh, you know, just not paying attention. One day the wife, he was working on his computer, you know, I'm ignoring the wife and this has gone on for years and the wife said to him, I just want to tell you, she said, that, uh, that our son's school fees is due on Monday, okay? He said, okay. And he just continued working. And then he said, you know what? Your dinner, you know, because you're so late, your dinner is on the table and the salad is in the fridge, okay? He said, okay. And then she, she said, I just want to tell you that the maid's gaji is due at the end of this month, okay? She said, okay. And then she said, I want to also tell you that I found another man and I'm leaving you tonight and tomorrow divorce papers will be signed, okay? He said, okay. <laughs> he didn't even realize what was going on. So you know, when that happens to our lives, we cease to walk in Him. John 15 verse 4 tells us, Jesus said, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Somebody say amen to that. You must learn to abide, and that abiding means walking in him. Secondly, the scripture tells us, be rooted in him. Colossians tells us, be rooted in him. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in Him. We are to be rooted. We're not just walking in Him, but we are to be rooted and built up 
in Him. You see, our foundation must be in Him. We must be rooted deep down in Him. That means that deep down, who we are, why we live, what we do, what gives meaning to who we are and why we do what we do, all these things that underlie why we exist, why we do what we do, why we have these priorities, what gives meaning to who we are, down to a quiet, unshakable relationship with Jesus. It means that we are to be rooted in Him. That's what being rooted in Him means. And it means that this rooted in Him means that it is not due to us, but it's due to Him. And that rootedness means that we are accepted by Him because of unmerited favour given to us, unearned forgiveness and unconditional acceptance by grace. It's the gospel of grace. Somebody say amen. That root is a root that goes all the way back to Calvary. 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, that root from today, which is the very reason for existence, that you are greatly blessed, highly favoured and deeply loved, that you have unmerited favour and unconditional acceptance and unearned forgiveness, all these things is rooted in Calvary. And it goes back to 2,000 years ago. It's very, very deep. And this root cannot be, in, cannot be destroyed. What Jesus has done cannot be destroyed. But it can be very badly maintained. You may forget how to maintain this root. You may forget and take it for granted that you're meant to be rooted in Jesus. You may take your, your faith and the grace that God has shown to you for granted. So you don't, you don't nurture the root. And when roots are not nurtured, these sort of things happen. This is a famous rain tree in the lake gardens of Taiping. And just last week, a storm blew and this tree came partially crashing down. You can see in the foreground, some of the root system had been uprooted because the soil in which it was in didn't maintain the roots well. So the whole tree came crashing down. Now, this means a lot to me because this picture means a lot to me because because I used to cycle in the Lake Gardens of Taiping as a teenager. And I used to park my bicycle under this tree and, and do reading. I was used to be reading as a teenager under this tree. Uh, and, and now that root system has been uprooted. See, when you don't nurture the root, although that root, that, that what Jesus has done for you will never ever be nullified. When you don't nurture the root, it's very easy for us to be toppled in our faith. It's not because Calvary was not sufficient for us. It's because we didn't nurture the line that led to Calvary. We didn't nurture it. We just took it for granted. I don't know about you, but uh, have you had a toothache before? I've had quite a few toothaches before, uh, especially in this last 20 years. You know, as you get older, the teeth actually don't get, you know, get a lot of problems. And especially when you eat a lot of sweet things, you know, get... Uh, caries and all kinds of things and toothaches appear. Now many people tell us that some of the worst pain they can experience uh, are various kinds of pains. M mothers will tell you the worst pain they can ever have is childbirth pain. They say that. I don't know because I've never experienced that before. Okay. Uh, some people say it is a, a kidney stone pain that's terrible. And people will swear that that's the worst pain ever they experience in their life. Others will say a gallbladder stone pain is the worst they've experienced. Some people say a broken bone. Let me add to that list a tooth abscess. A toothache with a tooth abscess. 
from its, from its tooth root. So when a tooth abscess happens, you know there's an infection right at the inside the root of the tooth. And an inflammation starts, an infection happens, and then it begins to throb and swell, and it's when a toothache takes place. I remember many years ago, I had a toothache lasting for a few days. But I thought I can manage the toothache with some Panadol, you know. I didn't go and see my dentist because I was in a hurry, I was busy. And then I took a flight to Sydney, Australia, you know, because I had a speaking engagement. So I was too busy to see my dentist. And then I realized that as the flight ascended, the cabin pressure dropped. And the abscess, the pus pocket that was at the root of my tooth began to expand. So for every thousand feet, the plane climbed. You know, the pain ratcheted up. And so by the time the, the plane reached 30,000 feet cruising, I was sitting in my personal torture chamber on my plane seat. It was horrendous. I was literally screaming for eight hours before the flight, seven hours before the flight got to Sydney. And on that flight, guess who I was thinking about? I wasn't thinking about God. I was thinking about my dentist. I said, oh, I call out his name. I call out his name. Where are you? And that's what some of us do when things get really bad with our life. God, where are you? For that moment, the dentist was almost like God to me. Where are you? Uh, so when eventually I came back, I went to see him and he sorted out my tooth. I said, you know what? I thought a lot about you when I was in Sydney. <laughs> I told him that. But this is what happens because when the plane goes up from the ground to the air, the abscess expands. Roots that are not looked after, that become infected, cause problems in our lives. I learned two lessons that day. Firstly, we need to keep our roots nourished and healthy. We need to. You know, no dentist would ever crown your tooth if you've got an infected root abscess or an infected root. No dentist would do that. They would clean out your root, make sure your root is healthy and well-nourished before they crown your tooth, right? It's the same here. You can never crown Jesus as Lord if your root, you're not rooted in Him. Or if that root is, is unhealthy. You can never crown Him as Lord. Sorry to use a dental analogy, but it has a truth in there. Secondly, I learned a second lesson is that being rooted in Christ means no more pain. Because there's a healing power, there's a cleansing power to the blood of Jesus. Amen. It cleanses us. When I say no more pain, I don't mean that you won't have suffering or pain in that kind. But the thing that we, things that we cannot get rid of, anger, hatred, vindictiveness, unforgiveness, bitterness, offenses, those things that eat into our being that causes depression and sleeplessness and anxiety, all these kind of things disappear because this is a forgiven. Being rooted in Christ means there is no more pain. And we live the life that truly walks in Him. We live that kind of a life. So these are two lessons that I learned. So, you know, you, you would know that that's so important because these roots can sometimes go very deep. It reminds me of a story of a, a woman who was very terrified of dentists but had to go to a dentist to get her teeth done. And uh, she was Mrs. Lim. Uh, she was quite a, a sizable lady. She went to get her teeth done, but she was terrified of dentists, as some of us are. And every time the dentist tried to plunge a tooth forceps into her to pull the tooth out, Mrs. Lim, Mrs. Lim would go, you know what? She would cry out at the top of her voice, and she cried, no, and shut, and shut her mouth. And uh, the dentist tried several times and couldn't. And then said, Mrs. Lim, 
I'm giving up. Because, you know, but Mrs. Lim said, you know, doctor, I can't help it. I'm terrified of, 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 of dentists. So, you know, every time you try to put the, the, the to, to pull my tooth, I have to shut it. I, I just don't know why I'm doing it. It's a reflex action. Okay, said so the dentist, I can't do anything. I'm giving up. And then he had an idea. He turned to his nurse and said, I'm going to do it. Try Mrs. Lim one more time. So he turned to his nurse and said, now, I'm, this last time, when I say go, yeah, I'm going to position my forceps above her. And when I say go, I want you to pinch Mrs. Lim's bottom as hard as you can. Really hard and twist it. And so Mrs. Lim, she said, we'll try again one more time, okay? So he put Mrs. Lim into the dental chair and rolled the dental chair down and then switched on all the lights and he positioned his, tweezer, uh, his uh, tooth forceps above her and he said to Mrs. Lim, okay, Mrs. Lim, go. And at that point, the nurse stuck her, 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 her thumb and her finger into Mrs. Lim's ample bottom, twisted it and pulled it hard and she went, ah! Oh! At that point, the dentist just dropped his tooth forceps in, wiggled the tooth and quickly pulled it out. And then he stood there with the tooth triumphantly and he rolled the chair back. And he said to Mrs. Lim, there, got it. It wasn't too bad, was it? Mrs. Lim got out of the chair and uh, Mrs. Lim said, oh, thank you, doctor. That wasn't too bad. That wasn't too bad at all. But he says, doctor, I didn't know that the roots went down so deep. <laughs> the roots can go down very deep in our lives if the roots are not looked after. The Bible tells us, be rooted in Christ. How do we know we are truly rooted in Him? By a posture of surrendering to Him through all circumstances. How do you know you're truly rooted in Christ? This is the test. The posture of that you are always surrendered to Him through whatever circumstances. That's the mark. That's the mark. Whatever happens, you always have a posture of surrenderedness. You may stand up and fight by faith and take authority, that's fine, but you're still surrendered to Jesus. Through all circumstances, you will never deviate from this fact that God is always good. Somebody say amen. You know, we sing a song, and there's a song that we often sing up here. You are constant and true. All my hope is found in you. Always faithful to do what you promise. Through the dark, through the night, flows a river of light. Through the storms, through the fire, shines a promise. And then the chorus, God is always good. Yes, God is always good. When I sing on the mountain, I'll sing in the valley that God is always good. What I sing on the mountain when things are going well, the sun is shining brightly, and in the valley, will you sing it? That God is always good. Many people say, yes, this is a song I want to sing. But I will say to you one thing. The power of this song is simply in this. It is a song of surrender to Him first before it's a proclamation, a song of proclamation of Him. It is a song of surrender to Him first before it's a song of proclamation. Why is that? Because if you're surrendered to Him, you can always proclaim. But if you proclaim you don't necessarily have the capacity to surrender to Him. Because that's the root. When you get into the rootedness in Christ, this is what it means. The power of the song is God is always good. Surrender is the mark of being rooted in Him. That's the second thing. That's the second thing about what God wants to build in our lives. And here's the third thing. Build faith with gratitude. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted in Him and built up in Him and established in the faith and abounding in thanksgiving. Some verses in the NASB, New American Standard, tells us abounding in gratitude. 
overflowing with gratitude. So we build faith, establishing the faith, abounding in thanksgiving, or overflowing with gratitude means the third thing we need to build is faith with gratitude in our lives. The faith means the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to build the faith, it says here, okay? Establish in the faith. The faith means the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of grace Established in the faith means that we are not going back to the gospel of salvation by works again or living by legalism. We will always live by grace. Somebody say amen. I don't want you to feel that, you know, you've been saved by grace, but now you live by the law. Oh, somehow it's the law that makes you, you know, acceptable before God. No. It's through grace that makes you acceptable. You live by God's law because you love God, not because it saves you, not because it makes you acceptable. So we don't go back to a gospel of works or living by legalism. The faith means the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there is a faith that goes beyond the faith. Because as we accept Jesus in our hearts and we are anchored in the faith, God gives us faith to live by. Roman, Romans 1.17, the just shall live by faith. There's also a faith to walk by. 2 Corinthians 5.7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And this faith can be increased. Luke 17, verse 4. The disciples said to Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. And Jesus didn't say, stupid boys, you cannot increase your faith. He told the story of the mustard seed where you can increase faith. So after receiving Jesus, our faith must increase. We must grow our faith. And that faith cannot increase just automatically, my friends. Some people say, well, I've known Jesus for 20 years. You're just 20 years older as a Christian, that's all. You're not necessarily 20 years stronger as a Christian. It's just a passive process. You've just grown older. We need to grow by faith. How do we grow by faith? Because this faith by which we increase is the substance of things hoped for. Hebrews 11 verse 1. The evidence of things not seen. It's a substance. The word substance is, means title deed. If you've got a title deed, you know, for big plots of land in the city of KK, you're a very rich person. You may not have seen it yet because your father left it for you. It's in your name. You go to the land office, it's in your name. It's in your IC. You've not seen it yet because you're not very well educated, for example. But you are a very rich man. You bring that title deed with your IC to the bank. All the bank managers will bow before you to lend you money. They will do that. Faith is the substance. It's the title deed. You may not have seen it, but you, you know it's dropped into your spirit. The evidence of things not seen. So how do we build faith? The Bible tells us, pray in the Spirit. As you go, it's part and parcel of your solitude time with Jesus. Your spirit man becomes very, very fertile, very soft, so that as you read the Word of God, you read the Word of God, meditating and confessing God's Word. The Word of God drops into your spirit and builds faith. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Joshua 1, 8 tells us, for, for, you know, this Word of the Lord shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, day and night, day and night. Then you be careful to do according to all that is written in it. You'll make your way prosperous and successful. So as we go, our spirit becomes Man becomes very fertile, very soft. We receive God's word as we confess the word, as we speak God's word. Our spirit man becomes strong and faith grows in our lives. See, faith then becomes what we build on the inside. See, the Bible wants us, God wants us to build lives that's established in the faith, in the gospel, and yet growing in faith. Growing in faith. 
Faith is what we build on the inside. The substance of things hope, hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. We dare to say what we need to say. Boldness is what we say and do on the outside. When faith grows, we become bold. We begin to decree. We begin to speak healing. We begin to pray for the sick. We begin to tell our family, you know, God can heal. And we begin to pray in our workplace for our friends and our colleagues, even for my patients. And we see miracles take place. When we do that, miracles begin to take place. Now this church, we are witnesses of miracles. And this year God says to us, when we build faith, don't forget the miracles that I, used, I did. This church is 20 years old. We have seen many, many, many miracles. When our daughter was four years old, she came back miraculously from the dead because the people of God prayed. In that time, Skyline only had a hundred over people. We prayed. We believed. Don't let it be said of a church, now we have thousands of people. We, we just take it for granted. We must pray and believe. Can somebody say amen? You know, we, recently we have seen, you know, a child. This is... Evie, this is uh, uh, Juliana, uh, one of our accounts uh, executive child. You know, seven years old with bad childhood postular psoriasis. Psoriasis has no cure. She prayed. She took authority. She believed. And then she acted on boldness. She stopped all the medication because she felt God was talking to her. And within a day, the skin of a little girl who was seven years old got cleansed. Today, that's Evie's skin. As you look at it, on that, you know, it was what it was before and what it is today. And I checked with her this morning. How's Evie's skin? How's her psoriasis? Completely healed, Pastor, from that day. It's never ever come back. Come on, if you want to go to give the Lord a big hand, just give him a big hand. He's worthy. We are a church of miracles, people. This is a church of miracles. Somebody say amen. How many of you want miracles in your life, in your life of family? Put up your hands, wave it right now. Come on. See, we're not just established in the faith in terms of inner life. Not just that. That's so important. We walk in Him. We are rooted in Him. But we must be established in the faith and grow faith in our lives. And when we grow faith, we must grow in gratitude because we must overflow with thanksgiving. Why gratitude? Because gratitude or thanksgiving keeps faith up, keeps faith flying, keeps faith going, soaring when what we pray for does not come to pass or has not come to pass yet. Sometimes we pray for something, it doesn't come to pass. It's okay, God, you're in control. I don't know why it didn't come to pass. I took authority, I believe, I spoke your word, it didn't come to pass. It's okay, Lord, you're in control. Thank you, Jesus. See, gratitude keeps our faith flying. We must be established in their faith and grow in faith. Because gratitude is like the wings of an aeroplane. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 tells us, you know, in everything, give thanks. In everything. Ephesians 5, 2, verse 20 tells us, for everything, give thanks. In other words, overcoming everything, give thanks. Because gratitude is like the wings of a plane. It lifts our faith up. It keeps us afloat. Even what, what we have prayed for has not come to pass yet or does not seem to be coming to pass. One day we'll ask God why this has not happened. But meanwhile, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. I believe in your word. Gratitude with faith establishes our faith. Can somebody say amen? How many of you want to grow in faith and gratitude? Wave your hands. Right now, how many of you want to be rooted in Christ? Wave your hands. 
You want to be rooted. A posture of surrender, thanksgiving. In all circumstances that He is good is a mark of rootedness. And how many of us want to walk in Him? You want to walk in Him? Don't just walk with Him, my friends. Walk in Him. In Him. The key to walking in Him is get rid of your digital devices. And you can begin that walk today. When I say get rid for that period, just get rid. Spend time with Him. And when we do so, this is how we build lives in the year 2022. We build them individually by what I have taught you today. Walking in Him, being rooted in Him, and growing faith with gratitude. That's how we walk individually. We walk corporately. How do we walk as a family in Skyline in the year 2022? Building lives by feeding regularly as a family on site or online. Join us every Sunday. You will never be bored. You will never waste your time. You will always receive something for you, for your family. You will always be encouraged. You will always be edified. God will speak to you. And you will feed. And little by little as you feed, you become strong in your inner man. You begin to walk in Him. Join us every Sunday. If you can't join us on that morning, join us later in the day. Or join us later in the week. But feed on the Word of God. Be part of this family. Thirdly, we build lives not just corporately and individually, but in small groups. Because sometimes the church is too big for everybody to try to relate to each other. You must get into small groups. Because belonging to connect groups will connect you so that you have human hands touching you, human voices talking to you, human hearts welcoming you and hugging you so that you know you belong to this family. It needs to be felt and actualized. And our connect groups are beginning on March the 4th. Every connect group leader, every zone leader, get them all back, connect with them. Start your meeting. If you can't meet on site and have a meal, never mind, just meet online. Have your meal later on, your starting meal later on, in another week when the numbers are down. And then build lives, not just in small groups, but in loving discipleship. See, we need to go deep in this church. This is a disciple-making church. Somebody say, Amen. We make disciples. We just don't make converts and believers. We make disciples. If we make disciples, we will always get a church. If we make converts and believers, we may not get a church. Think about this. That's why we must always be committed to making disciples. That's why we must never stop. Until the end of your life, you are called to be a disciple-maker. You're called to be a mentor. You're called to be in a mentoring relationship. Somebody say amen. So you journey together. And this uh, next round is in June when a mentor and mentees journey together. Don't opt out. Please, journey together. Because it makes a difference to your life whether you're a mentor, mentee. Because in going together, walking together, you walk in Him. You become rooted in Him. You become established in faith and gratitude. And you're part of this great family with love shown in the small groups to which you belong to and personally connected somebody on the same journey with you one or two or three other people and finally we build lives through community outreach this church must never be inward looking we must reach out reaching out during crises to show God's love with no strings attached reaching out in community projects to minister to the rural poor reaching out during this time so that the people out there may know the love of Jesus and that we are looking outwards into the community to bring the kingdom of God there. Can somebody say amen? As I close today, I just want to say this to each and every one of us. God wants you 
for your life to be built. Everybody say, build lives. I want you to know that God wants your life to be built. This year, today, it begins today. So I'm going to pray a very simple prayer for each and every one of us. Can you just raise your hands where you are right now? Whether you're seated, watching me, right? In the comfort of your room, whether you're here on site, just raise your hands right now. I just want to pray for each and every one that God will build your lives up today. Father, I thank you for every life here. I thank you for every person who's listening to the sound of my voice. Because Lord, it's, I pray, Lord, that whatever is not of you, you take away. But what is of your Holy Spirit, put it into our hearts. Challenge us so that we don't waste our time. So that Lord, we will be built from the inside out. From inside and downward, upwards, like a root. So we will bear fruit in our lives. I pray for each one that we will learn to walk in you. That we will be rooted in you, Jesus, for what you have done through us through the cross. And that, Lord, we will grow in faith, both in the faith and in faith, with gratitude in our lives. I pray in the name of Jesus as you lift up your hand, signs and wonders shall follow you as you lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Amen. I pray that miracles will break forth and you will speak the prayer of faith and see miracles and breakthrough comes into the lives of those whom you minister to in your family. Somebody say amen. In your workplace, in your business, wherever you go, you are a carrier of faith. You're a carrier of revival. I pray for that anointing come upon your life right now. In Jesus' name I pray. All God's people say it, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand. Let's worship and thank Him, Lord. Hallelujah. And I just want to call one last group of people. If you've never received Jesus into your heart before, will you pray the simple prayer with me to open your heart to receive Jesus? Are you ready right now? Because when you trust Jesus, He will never leave you nor forsake you. You can walk in Him. You'll be forever rooted in Him and you will live a life of faith and gratitude. It will give both meaning and power to your life. And not only that, you will be with God forever. Because it's the life that comes into you. It's eternal life. If that's your desire today, why don't you join me in prayer? Everywhere, if you're in the sanctuary, whether you're online watching this, please join me in this prayer to receive Jesus into your heart. Lord Jesus, just say it in your heart right now. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Today, I open the door of my heart. I trust in you for what you did for me on the cross 2,000 years ago to take away my sin. I receive your presence into my heart. Fill me with your power. Fill me with your life. Fill me once again with your forgiveness and your purpose. I receive your love today and I thank you that I'm born again into a new life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Hallelujah. If you prayed that prayer, congratulations. Welcome to God's kingdom. Whether you're on site or whether you're online, you know what? We want to give you something to help you grow your, your spiritual life. At the same time, we want to connect with you. And you know, Dr. Ken Wu will come and just tell you how we can get connected. In the meantime, have a great day, everybody. Have a great week and be rooted in Christ. See you next week. God bless. Thanks for listening to Sky and SIB's podcast and stay tuned for our next episode. If you would like to contribute and support our ministry, please visit our website at www.skynsib.com and scroll down to the giving segment in order to give.
Also, don't forget to follow us on social media at SkylineSIB on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Till next time, have a great day.